0: and died on the cross for us and then you rose again the third day we have life and a chance to be awake to be alive to be renewed in you thank you for the ministry of your spirit and the way that you touch our hearts you speak into our lives by your spirit thank you for that father in the next few moments as we open your word i pray that folks would see jesus christ and just jesus christ i pray that you would guide my words i I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't want to say things that are not true. And so I ask that you would guide those words, that truth would be revealed. And folks would understand how much you care and how much you love them. Thank you for the opportunity that is ours to open the word of God this morning. Bless it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning uh, as we get to worship together again. We get to spend time and hang out together. And uh, I look forward to our mornings together as we open the Word of God together. This morning, we're going to start something that's going to last over the next couple of months. And we're going to start looking at a little book in the New Testament. And that little book is the book of 1 Timothy. And I'm going to be talking this morning specifically about watching out for false teachers. But I'm also going to talk to you about sticking to the plan. Two things to kind of go together, they come out of the first passage that we're going to talk about. But I want to give you a little introduction to this book as we get ready to dive into it and understand a little bit more about it. This book really starts back in the book of Acts. And if you want to do a little homework and you want to do a little extra reading, uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 18 through chapter 20, you'll find that Paul, on, on his missionary journeys, ended up at this little, this little town of Ephesus. And he ended up spending parts of three years in this little town. And as he was directed by the Holy Spirit, he planted and encouraged this little group of people who who came to know Jesus Christ and became a vibrant, flourishing body of believers. And in that process of time, and we're not told exactly the moment, but sometime as Paul was ministering, he led a young guy by the name of Timothy to Christ. And Scripture tells us this, that Paul was his spiritual father. In other words, Paul was the guy who had come along Timothy and led him to an understanding of who Jesus was, what Jesus did for him, and led him to Jesus Christ. And Timothy ends up with the gift of of a pastor, and he ends up with the ability to lead a congregation, kind of like this body. And that's his gift mix. And so Paul writes this letter called 1 Timothy back to this young pastor. And it's a letter of encouragement to Timothy. It's a letter to the body of believers at Ephesus as well, because what you have to understand is those people then in that church didn't have what we have, the Word of God. They didn't have a Bible They didn't have the ability to pick up their Bible and read it anytime they wanted. These letters that we're reading came from Paul to Timothy to be read to the believers at Ephesus. And so 1 Timothy is a letter of encouragement. And and Timothy needed some encouragement. He was discouraged in leading this body of believers. And he really kind of had a right to be discouraged. He, he, the, the scripture tells us also in 1 Timothy 5 that he had some physical issues going on. He had some stomach problems going on. And Paul refers to those. and He says, hey, Timothy, you need to take a little bit of wine for your stomach to settle your stomach. You're worrying a lot. You're anxious. Whatever was going on with Timothy, we're not sure. But Paul speaks into that as well. But he was also discouraged with some of what was going on. And Just so you know, that this church wasn't easy to lead. It wasn't wasn't a walk in the park or or a cakewalk, as some might say. It was difficult to lead the church. The city of Ephesus was devoted to the goddess Diana, she was a patroness of sexual instinct. Her followers promoted sexual immorality of all kinds. And Paul had done a great work in this little city of Ephesus, but Satan was also working tirelessly against this little church. And Timothy's fighting a battle of shedding and, and giving truth to, to a group of people who are who have just either just come to faith or are coming to faith, and they're not sure what parts they should grab or not grab, or how the truth should affect their heart. And so. Paul writes this short letter to encourage Tim, Timothy, Tim, me, <laughs> and to explain how a local church should be managed and how it should run. Just a little side note for you as you get ready to read this little book every church is difficult. I don't know what you're thinking, we're not, right? <laughs> every church is difficult. See, the church was designed by God to be a hospital for the sick. The church was designed by God to bring those who are broken, those who are hurt, those who have addictions, those who are struggling with life, which by the way is all of us, whether we want to admit it or not. And the church was designed by God to bring the sick and the hurting to meet the great physician Jesus. And sick people are messy. I don't know if you've been around any, but they're messy. They don't have it all together. And often in their sickness, they have a relapse or two. And there's a lot of cleanup. And there's a lot of difficulty dealing with sick people. And if you're in a church, any church, and the church is actually doing what Jesus asked it to do, it's messy. And it's hard. And it gets discouraging at times. And we all get disappointed because we're all human. And if you've ever heard somebody say, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, really, the reason they don't go to church is because they're also a hypocrite and don't want to be part. You say, whoa, Tim, you can't say that. Yes, I can because I'm one. And so are you. We all are. We're all broken. The church is made up of broken people. That's why Jesus came. And so Paul writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him. In the middle of that difficulty of leading a group of broken people who have run into Jesus Christ, the great healer, the great physician. Throughout this series in the book of 1 Timothy, we're going to talk about life in the church. We're going to try to answer some questions about living life in the church and how a church should function and, and, and what we do in the church. And we're going to try to answer this question every week. What should we be doing in the church? What should we be doing in the church? And so this morning I want to talk to you about the fact that we should be watching out for false teachers and we should stick to the plan that God has for the church. We should be watching out for those who teach a false doctrine, who take the truth of the Word of God and either water it down or add something to it or change it a little bit to meet their own needs and their own desires. And we need to stick to the plan that God has for us as Christ followers. And that plan has to do with the gospel. If you have your Bible with, with you this morning, I want to read the first 11 verses of 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, the first 11 verses, if you want to read along with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace. Mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people. That's under, just get that, instruct certain people. Think about that as we read through this. It's not everyone, it's certain people. Not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless fruitless discussions. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they are saying or what they are insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for the righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, And for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel, concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. Paul starts out with this introduction, and it's very interesting to me. He doesn't waste any time. In this little letter. Now remember, he's talking to a young guy that he spent a lot of time with. He's taught this young guy. So it's not like there's a lot of fluff that needs to be said. It's not like he has to go through some paragraphs of, hey, you know, how's it been going? What you been eating lately? All that kind of stuff. He, he doesn't have to go there. He jumps right into kind of the heart of the matter was first Tim, with, with Timothy. And it's because they've spent a lot of time. They've been together. And Paul knows the issues that Timothy is facing And so he jumps right in. And he jumps in at the very first two verses, and I want to just give this to you quickly, as telling Timothy, which Timothy already knows, but remember, Timothy is reading this letter to to the church as a whole. And he says, remember, I'm an apostle. He's stating his authority for the things that he's about to tell Timothy and the church. Remember, God spoke with me. Remember... I know what God wants. I know God's heart. And what I'm going to tell you comes from God, not just from me. That's what he's saying here. I have the authority to say these things to you. And so as he jumps into this whole book, he's coming from the position of God's spokesperson for this church, for the church. He's an apostle. So he has the authority to say the things he needs to say. He jumps right in, in the first couple of verses, verse 3. As I urged you, here's a reminder that he gives Timothy right at the beginning. He urged Timothy. This is not like I urge you to eat a piece of chocolate. That's not the urge that he means, okay? We all get the urge to eat a piece of chocolate. We have an urge to to eat something good or or to do something good. That's not what this word means. This word is actually, it's, it's I command you all right? Or I, I implore you, I strongly want you to do this. It's more of an urge of, we're standing at the edge of the lake, the lake has just frozen over, and I stand and I look at Talia and I just, and, and, and I say, don't walk on the lake. It's thin ice, okay? That's not a suggestion that it would be a bad idea for you to go out on the lake. It's Don't do it, because if you walk on the thin ice, you're going through, it's life and death, this matters. That's what what Paul's saying to Timothy here. He's saying, look, I need you to understand, this is really, really important. I want you to get the concept, I want to urge you, I want to command you, I want you to to understand, I want to implore you that, that you would understand how important it is that you get what I say right here. I urge you, and this is what he's going to tell him. He says this, I urge you as you remain with this group of people that you instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine, not to teach untrue things there was some people that had come along and they were mixing the law. They were taking what they knew from the Old Testament law and they were mixing it with some parts about Jesus Christ. And what the scripture tells us here in these first few verses is this. They took some of the law, they took some myths, they took some of the genealogy that's found in the Old Testament and they made up their own truths. And they took those and they put them all together and said, look, if you believe these things, these myths, these if you follow this line of people, if you do these certain things, then God will be happy with you. Or if you, if you, you take this line of thought and, and, and you take these little parts of truth, then, then you'll be okay before God. And they start twisting it. Now, the interesting thing about when people take Scripture and they start twisting it, if you follow through what they're talking about, the value of what they teach you is always for themselves. Let me say that again. The value of what they teach you is always for themselves. In other words, if you do these things, I end up benefiting as your leader. False doctrine. False truth. And they were trying to lead people away from what was true. Does this happen today? (laughs) Yeah. We get caught up in all kinds of little things that we try to make important. Whether it's the food we eat or we don't eat, the clothes we wear, the hairstyles we choose, the rules we keep, the ideas that if we're good enough for God, then God has to bless us. We argue over small theological nuances and cause great confusion in the church. And they become areas of division within the body of Jesus Christ and people walk away from the truth of who Jesus is. Well, you ask this question. Well, how in the world can we know if somebody is teaching a false doctrine or something that is not true? How can I know when somebody is telling me something that, that is not from God? How can Paul look at Timothy and said, hey, look, look for those people who are teaching lies, those who are teaching false truth. How can you know? Thank you for asking. If you hadn't asked, I'd have to stop. Unlike these people who Paul was writing to, some of you here this morning have in your hands, and we have on the screens in front of us, and I have in front of me right now the Word of God. The people that Paul was writing to didn't have the complete Word of God, but you and I do. Interestingly, if you have a smartphone on you right now, you have probably 126 copies of the Word of God. The YouVersion app has every version you could imagine if you want to read it. Through Amazon and Christian Book Distributor and Walmart and Target and you name it. There are copies of the Word of God that are available to us everywhere we turn. You want to know if somebody is teaching the Bible or not? Get to know the Bible. You ever wonder why Pastor Mike and I constantly tell you to read the Bible for yourself, to get into the Word of God for yourself? Get into a small group. Get into a study. Start looking at the Word of God on a daily basis for yourself. We say it over and over, and I know for some of you it's like, would you guys say something else? Read the Word of God for yourself. Know the Word of God for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Mike's word for it. Don't take Tom's word for it. If he's teaching. Get into the Word of God and know it for yourself. Read it. Study it. Digest it. Put it in your mind. Memorize it. Let it sink down into your heart. Let it get down into the deepest parts of who you are. Allow the Word of God to direct who you are. You want to know if somebody is not teaching the truth of the Word of God? Then read your Bible. Because you have the truth of the Word of God in front of you. You have it at your fingertips. You can get on this crazy thing we call a phone that's actually a computer. You can get onto the U version, and there's a place there that has a search, a little search bar. And you can put anything that somebody tells you, did you know that godliness is close? no that cleanliness is close to godliness? Type it in and see if it's in there. It's not. It's a good idea, but it's not in there. You can type that. It's all there for you, people. It's at your fingertips. It takes a minute. Everything that you need to know about the Word of God is in front of you. And often, false doctrine and false teaching comes in very subtle and small tiny, diso- distorted ways. And we let it slip in because we don't pay attention to the truth of the Word of God. John said it this way, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you, what? Free. False teaching always puts us in bondage. False teaching always ends up making us guilty Making the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ seem heavy. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The truth of the word of God lightens the load. David called the word of God a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. David said this, how can a young man stay pure? By keeping your word. (laughs) You want to stay pure in a world that's perverse? You want to stay pure in your thought life and in your mind and in your heart and in your relationships? Then get in the word of God, put it in your heart and hide it there. David knew. David had everything at his fingertips and he knew the only thing that would keep him straight, the only thing that would keep him true to who God wanted him to be was the word of God, knowing God. I love it as you look at the Psalms. David describes the word of God this way, that it is food for his soul. He calls it a treat. Do you know that? David calls it this. He says it's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. If you've ever eaten honey directly from the honeycomb, just after you have to steal it from the bees, it's okay. You can do it. And you suck it out of that comb. It is so David said, It's the sweetness. It's that beautiful taste. That's the Word of God. It is the living, breathing words of God to mankind. Wow. It is yours. It's at your disposal. You can read it anytime. You can know the truth. You have more avenues available to you than any other time in history to know the truth of the Word of God. Want to watch out for those who are teaching things that are not true? (laughs) Then know the truth. Know the truth. He's not saying, by the way, in these verses, if you read those verses, he's not saying that the Old Testament law is bad. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that it's being misused. If you look at verse 7, he says, look, those people are grabbing the Old Testament law that they don't even understand and they're misusing it to place you in bondage, to make you not understand who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. Verses 8 through 10, Paul lists those who are condemned by the law. There are a few lists of these people in the New Testament. Mark 7 has one, Romans 1 has one, Galatians 5 has one. These people are condemned because they decided that they know better than God. It's an age-old problem. It's the same problem we struggle with today. The same one that Satan had when he fell from heaven. I am my own God. I'm good enough. I know enough. God can't tell me what to do. Adam and Eve had the same story as we have today. Everything was in front of them that they needed to succeed, yet they believed they knew better than God, and so they chose their own way. Exactly what we do today. It's no different. You see, the use of the law is to show us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The Ten Commandments are the simplest group of rules that there could ever be, right? They're not hard, right? Don't lie. Don't kill somebody. I mean, really, don't steal. Don't take God's name in vain. They're not hard, are they? And yet, we struggle with them. Don't covet what is not yours. Shouldn't be that hard. I have enough already, right? So do you. And yet, we struggle. The law is there to show the fact that we don't make it, we don't measure up, we're not good enough. The law shows us that we're condemned and we need a Savior. And when we come to understand and know Jesus Christ, we realize that He is the answer for my condemned heart. Galatians 3, 10-14 say it this way, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified by, before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Remember back before Christmas, some of you were with us and I was talking about the extent of the promise of Jesus Christ. Remember the promise was given to Abraham that that God would bless all the world through him Well, that blessing came in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are blessed today because Abraham said yes to God, and Jesus ended up coming to to die on a cross to pay the price for my sin and your sin so that the law could not condemn me any longer because God sees me through His Son, Jesus Christ, when I accept what Christ did for me on the cross. Romans 8, verses 1-4 to put it this way, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. God, through Jesus Christ, fulfilled what I couldn't. He paid the price for sin. So what are we to do as a church? How are we to act as a church? Well, Paul instructs Timothy in the church in two ways. He says this, Watch out for those who teach false doctrine. Know the Word of God. Understand the Word of God well enough that you know those who are teaching false doctrine and then stick to the plan. Verse 5 of this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, says this, Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Paul says this to Timothy, Look, the whole point of you staying there, the whole point of you contending with those who are teaching things that are not true, is that people would understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and come to know him. They would experience the love of Jesus Christ. They would experience the forgiveness that comes from knowing Him. They would experience the freedom that comes from having the Spirit of God live in them. Folks, if you're a Christ follower, stick with the plan. Mike shared the plan with us last week. You know what God has asked you to do as a Christ follower? to introduce others to Jesus Christ. That's what he's asked. Stick to the plan. Don't veer to the left. Don't veer to the right. Don't get caught up in stuff that will consume your time, your energy, your thought, your effort. Stick to the plan. God asks you to take the freedom that he gave you and give it away. That's what he asked. That's it. Know and experience the love of Jesus Christ enough in your own heart and your life that you're willing to give it to somebody else. Introduce others to the gospel of Jesus Christ from a pure heart. Share the truth of knowing Christ from a clear conscience, not trying to gain anything from anyone, not trying to twist anyone's arm to make them do anything, but simply to present with an open hand the love of Jesus Christ that changed you. From a deep faith in Jesus Christ, give away what he's blessed you with. The law and the gospel go together. The law shows us our sin problem And the gospel provides the remedy, Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate that this morning. We're going to celebrate it by communion. Communion is a reminder of the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay the price that I could not pay, to lift the guilt that I could not carry, and to give me freedom and an opportunity to have a relationship with my heavenly Father, my Creator. And this morning we want to celebrate that We want to take a moment and take the cup and the bread and take them together as a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. I want to read a couple verses to you from Matthew chapter 26. And it's when Jesus starts and gives, really, the communion table to the disciples. And as Jesus was eating with the disciples, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take. And eat it. This is my body. And then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with, my, with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus set up with the disciples a reminder, a way for them to remember what Jesus Christ did for them, that he paid the price for their sin. And this morning, that's really what we've been talking about. See, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ loves all of humanity so much that he was willing to become the sin that we are, (laughs) to hold to take that sin, to pay the price for that sin so that our relationship with him could be restored and renewed. That's what he did for you and for me. And those who teach a false gospel add to that. They add parts and pieces that make the gospel cumbersome. When Jesus said, no, the gospel is this symbol, even a child, and, and unless we become like a child to understand it, even a child understands this, I love you so much that I paid the price you couldn't pay so that our relationship could be restored. That's what Jesus did. And as we celebrate communion, that's what we're celebrating, that love that Jesus had and has for us. If you're a believer here this morning, I encourage you to go ahead and take the bread and the cup as it goes by. If you don't have a relationship, you don't know Jesus Christ yet, you can. Stop right now and ask Jesus to forgive you of the sins that you have in your life. He wants to. He's waiting. His arms are open wide. Would love to say yes to you this morning. You can do that now. If you're not comfortable taking communion, that's fine. Just let it go by. No one will think a thing. Just hand it on by. But it's an opportunity for us to say thank you to God, to His Son, Jesus Christ, for all that He's done for us. So as the elements come by, take them. Take a moment to pray. And go ahead and take both elements, and uh, and we'll sing together as well. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this morning to worship you in communion. Thank you for the truth of your word that you've guaranteed, you've given us, that gives us the answers to those who would lead us astray. Thank you for your spirit who promises to lead us into all truth. Thank you for that. Thank you for instituting the Lord's table. A time when we stop to reflect and recognize what you have done through your son for us. I pray that you would be pleased with our worship here this morning in your name, amen. So we start another year. You're gonna walk out the door as you have over the last years for those of you who have been here a while can I make a challenge maybe you already made your new year's resolution maybe you're like me and you don't really make them but can I give you a challenge would you this year ask God to help you to know him to know his word I'm not talking about memorizing the whole Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, would you just take 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day and just open the word of God and get to know him? The promise from God to us is that he will lead us into all truth. he by his spirit will help you to understand and know him in a way that you have never known him before that's his promise and I can guarantee that if you will get in the word of God and you will study it for yourself you'll have a lot less difficulty sticking to his plan if you don't you're going to be all over the place because that's what we do but it's yours. It's at your disposal. Use it. God, grant us the courage. Grant us the courage today and tomorrow and this week to open your word and understand it for ourselves. To open your word and allow the spirit of God to reveal the truth of who you are to us. Keep us in your plan. Help us to share the love of Jesus Christ to those who are close to us, those we meet each day. Help us to be the church you want us to be, to live out the truth of Jesus Christ in this community. Help us to do it well this year. We'll praise you. Thanks so much for how much you care. Thanks for your son. In your name we pray. Have a great week.